Be sure to check out Sylvie's Love, now on Amazon Prime Video. Set in Harlem in the 1950s, a young woman meets an aspiring saxophonist in her father's record shop, and their love ignites a sweeping romance that transcends the changing times. Watch Sylvie's Love, directed by Eugene Ash, starring Tessa Thompson and Namdi Asamoah, and produced by Moth Board member Gabrielle Glore on Amazon Prime Video. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm Dan Kennedy. This week, we're bringing you a story from our main stage program. Marjorie Kunak Tabon told this story in Anchorage, Alaska at a main stage show where the theme of the night was uncharted territory. You'll notice that Marjorie begins her story with a traditional prayer. Here's Marjorie live at the Moth. King Oliver swung a lock dock. When I was a little girl, I asked my mother what that tattoo on her wrist was. She said, It's a tattoo I stitched on myself when I was a teenager. You're much too young to understand. Ask me when you're older. I'm Inupiaq from Nome, Alaska, and my parents raised me to embrace my Inupiaq heritage. Raised out on the land, learning how to process and cut the animals, pick the greens and the berries and respect them in such a way that there was just no words to be shared. I knew who I was, but I wanted that spiritual component, that link to our ancestors that I just felt was missing. I found an old photograph of a relative. It was of a woman, and she had three distinct tattoos running from the bottom of her lip to the bottom of her chin. I had asked my grandmother what those were, what they meant, and she said, a long time ago, Every woman got those traditional chin tattoos. I don't remember what they meant, but I think they were a form of beauty. I had asked several other elders, and they all gave me the same reply, that they were called tavlurun. And the practice was called kakinit, traditional tattoos. And I had soon learned the practice of kakinit had been suppressed by missionaries in the late 1800s and had slowly faded away with the passing of our elders. What little knowledge was left were in myth and the occasional journal of early explorers. I was a young woman now and I asked my mother again what that wrist tattoo had meant and she shared with me when I was a teenager, I decided to tattoo myself because I was so angry that our culture had been uprooted and our native community was in a crisis of identity. And I wanted to be grounded so badly. And I asked her, why that tattoo? Why one line across the wrist? And she said, 
your great-grandmother had three lines going across the wrist, and I wanted to have those three lines, but she was unable to complete them. I thought to myself, I want to have that spiritual connection to our ancestors, just like my mother. I wanted to be bold. I wanted to get my tablerun. But I knew I needed to get permission from my family because at that time, in the early 2000s, it was extremely rare to see a woman with facial tattoos. It would have been almost like an act of rebellion rather than a strengthening of my identity. My parents were supportive, but when I went to my grandmother and I asked her if I could get my tablerun, she looked right at me and she said, oh no, not your beautiful face. My grandmother was one of the first generations to be sent to boarding school as a child and learned to assimilate into the Western society. She was told to just fit in and to do away with the Inupiaq traditions that she had learned. I think she feared that I would stick out too much and maybe wouldn't get a job. I needed to prove to her that I was strong enough to wear the tablerun I needed to earn it. With the little literature that was available, I come to learn that the main technique of giving a tattoo was done by needle and thread. The thread was dipped in ink made of soot from the seal oil lamp and skillfully stitched in the top layers of the skin. I also learned that it was Almost always women getting the tattoos done. But the coolest thing was that the tattooist was always a woman. I was empowered. An opportunity came up where I could compete in a statewide cultural pageant. And, and the cultural pageant, you know, it's similar to a beauty pageant in the lower 48, except you're not really judged on your evening wear or how good you look in a bathing suit, but instead you're scored on your cultural knowledge and your ability to demonstrate it to a wide audience. I asked my grandmother, does our family have any traditional regalia? And she continued to pull out the most beautiful, unfinished, Ground squirrel parka. She said, your great-grandmother started sewing this parka in the 1960s. My same great-grandmother who had those three lines tattooed on her wrist. The competition was three weeks away and we still had to do the bottom half of this parka. And mind you, this parka had intricate geometric designs that made our family kupak, family crested designs that people knew who you were and the stitches were so fine, tight and close. I wondered if my great-grandmother had tattooed herself or tattooed others. It was so unifying knowing that my great-grandmother my grandmother, my mother, and I worked on this family heirloom. And with a finished ground squirrel parka, I went to the competition. 
and shared the cultural knowledge that I had learned growing up on the land and talked about the importance of reclaiming our identity, and I won. <laughs> My grandmother was so proud, and I asked her again. I said, Grandmother, I really want to get these tattoos, but I really need your blessing. And she looked at me, and she said reluctantly, Okay. Now, I knew I wanted to get it in a respectful way. In some of the research that I did, I found that when a young woman reached a marriageable age and she was able to bear children, she would receive her traditional chin tattoo. I thought, how can I keep that concept the same but adapt it to today's world to make it relevant to me? So I decided that I would get my traditional tablerun when I graduated from college and felt more secure in my identity as an Inupiaq woman and moved back to my home community and worked for my people. So the day after I graduated college, I made that appointment at the only place that was available to me because there were no traditional tattooists at that time at the local tattoo parlor by a non-native man. I had the tattoo done and it was a beautifully transforming time. I had my family support, but it lacked something, that ceremony, that connection with the ancestors that I wanted so desperately. I went back home and I was walking down the street and I remember an elder stopped me and he looked at my face and he said, I remember when my grandmother had traditional chin tattoos like that. Another elder stopped me another day and said, I remember seeing women always having traditional tattoos. I'm so glad you're bringing that back. I remember babies would reach out and they would touch my chin almost as if they recognized me, like the ancestors were acknowledging me and approving of my tattoo. Because you see, in our culture, the babies are the closest linked to our ancestors by their names. Getting my tattoo opened the floodgate of knowledge People were sharing stories from all over Alaska. They wanted to know the ceremony. They wanted to know designs. Everybody wanted to learn more. We needed it. We needed it so desperately because we needed to heal from the historical traumas. And I couldn't control what was done in the past, but I could control my next move forward. And even though I didn't know what was next beyond that step, I decided that I was going to be an Inupiaq tattooist. And so I went and I learned from a traditional Filipino tattooist the ancient techniques of skin stitching and hand poking. And along that journey, I learned even more about our tattoos. I learned they were far more than just for beauty. I learned that they were to honor the animals, to acknowledge the spiritual realm. They were also to recognize accomplishments of family. It was like our own form of literature, it was so beautiful. And it was ours, ours to reclaim. One of the first tattoos I did, my mom said, could you finish the tattoos on my wrist that I started when I was a teenager? I was so honored. And I remember us sitting at fish camp and me steadily stitching those last two lines to finish those tattoos that were grounding, not just her, but me. And soon after, my grandmother's younger sister, in the same generation, 
that went to boarding school and was told to assimilate called me on the phone and in her most grandmother tone said, you will do my chin tattoo. <laughs> and I said, okay, Graham. And I remember going to her house and I was so nervous. I was putting down the stencil on her chin and I remember saying, the ancestors are here, they're gonna help guide me. And I put the stencil on and it looked perfect. And we tattooed it in this beautiful ceremony that was just healing for both of us. And as it was done, we both looked into the mirror and we knew that it was meant to be there. And she looked at me in my eyes through the mirror and she said, thank you. I was also able to get my traditional thigh tattoos done, an important component because I had also discovered that we didn't have tattoos just for this generation or for the past generation. We had tattoos for the future generation. You see, we believe that when a baby exits a womb, the first thing we want them to see is beauty and know that they're coming into a world full of love. And I wanted to make sure I had them. I was preparing to be a mother. Now, there's several Inuit tattooists. Dozens of women have facial tattoos. Hundreds have traditional tattoos somewhere on their body. But the greatest thing is eight months ago, I birthed my daughter into a world where our traditional tattooing is a thriving part of being Inupak. Kuyana. That was Marjorie Kunak Tabon. Marjorie was raised at her family's fish camp just outside of Nome, Alaska. She's a Nupiak and Kiowa, as well as an entrepreneur, artist, hide tanner, tattooist, subsistence gatherer, and mother. We wanted to learn more about Marjorie's journey, so we gave her a call to talk about where she is now in her practice. Here's Marjorie and the Moth's executive producer, Sarah Austin Janess. I thought we'd just talk a little bit about your story and some follow-up. At this Moth show in Alaska, your mother-in-law was so proud of you, but she said she was surprised that you were telling this story because tattooing is still pretty secretive. Each tattoo. Each traditional tattoo that you get is a personal uh, tattoo, and so it can it can be hard to talk about it. But uh, I feel like it's my duty as a, a indigenous woman who's practicing tattoos to to share the story and to let people know because I feel like there's are so much interest in it, and people just want to know and understand so that you know they could possibly get it themselves if they feel like they're ready. And what does the traditional tattoo ceremony look like? The most crucial element is to make sure that the person who is receiving the tattoo is ready to get it. And, and you know, I, I usually speak with the people beforehand and talk about why they're getting it and you know, what's the purpose of the design? Why did they choose it? Or in some cases, I design it for them. 
And then once we do the actual tattooing, I, I usually like to light my seal oil lamp that I was talking about in the story. I view myself as just like a tool for, for the ancestors uh, to guide me in, in putting the tattoo on the person. And so it's kind of a very meditative time um, for both me and the person receiving the tattoo as well. After a, a, a huge tattoo is done, like something on the face, we like to have the person say their name, say their name again out loud so that the ancestors recognize and acknowledge that person. So um, the ceremony is, the, is what's really important when getting this traditional tattoo because uh, it's not about the, the ink that's in there. It's about the process. It's about how that person got there and what that person will, will be coming out after. What are some of the other ways that you connect to your ancestors and keep your culture thriving? I'm trying to learn and speak our traditional language of Inca is something that keeps me connected and keeps my daughter connected. Being a good mother, of course, is one of the ways I feel like I'm also connected because in our traditions, you know, she's named after one of our ancestors. And so she kind of carries that spirit with her. And at what point do you think your daughter might ask for a tattoo? I think she will ask at an early age. You know, she's she's always known that tattoos were there ever since she was born. And so, you know, she's kind of come into this world where tattoos are, are pretty common. And I can imagine her growing up and seeing some women who don't have tattoos and wondering why they don't have tattoos. And so I imagine at a young, early age, that she'll ask about them and I'll tell her about when she'll be able to get hers and the ceremony that it requires. And and I imagine that I'll, when she is ready, I'll say, okay, you're ready. And, and it'll be an exciting day for her. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited for, for all of that to unfold. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I, that's kind of like my hope. <laughs> That was Marjorie Kunak Tabone. To see photos of Marjorie's traditional tattoos and to learn more, just head to our website, themoth.org. That's it for this week. And until next time, as always, from all of us here at The Moth, we hope you have a story-worthy week. Dan Kennedy is the author of Loser Goes First, Rock On, and American Spirit. He's also a regular host and storyteller with The Moth. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.